0: Here we are again at Common Sense, Ohio. It is uh, December 7th, 1940. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. It's December 7th, 2022. You see what I did there, Norm? A little throwback. because A date, uh, a
1: date which will live in infamy. A
0: date which will live in infamy as he's held up. All right. So it is uh, December 7th. 2022 uh, Christmas, again, right around the corner at Common Sense Ohio. There's lots going on in Ohio and around the world, and we're going to make common sense of it all here as we uh, proceed in the show.
1: I would like to just point out, since you brought up Pearl Harbor Day, um, that uh, Ohio has, I cannot recall the, the, the sailor's name at this point. We could Google that. Uh, but um, Ohio has a uh, Medal of Honor winner, uh, who um, earned, earned the medal uh, on Pearl Harbor at Pearl Harbor um, back in, back this day in 1941. So uh, we honor our veterans and uh, there's probably man, there, I don't think there's any left. I, 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 I think the last veteran who was there at Pearl Harbor on, on the day of the attack may have passed away.
0: Yeah, I mean it's sort of a sad. Yeah. you know, I remember as a kid, you would think there was still some um, World War One guys around.
1: Yeah, it gave you a little comfort that there was a connection to the past, that it was real.
0: It's just a history book now.
1: Yeah, now now it's you know like the
0: the black and white documentaries on the History Channel. all that's, yeah. that's what it is, and and it's sad because it was very real, and a lot of us, you know, I, I my father was not in World War Two. But a lot of us in our generation, you know, they, their fathers were, you know, I've talked to some very close friends of mine that their dads just didn't talk about it. There's an old chest in the basement and, you know, the stuff's in there, but it's never discussed. I mean, uh, a whole generation of men who were uh, saddled with uh, the, I guess, the, the ghosts of what they had to deal with over there. I mean, really, without any sort of acknowledgement or understanding of what PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder uh, really is. And, uh, you know, yeah. yeah, hats off.
1: It was great. um you know, for us, it was great to occasionally meet a veteran of World War II. And there are a few still, you know, obviously, there's a few still with us. Uh, they're in their 90s now. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it whenever I met a veteran of World War II, I felt it was so special. And I can only imagine how previous generations, when they met a Civil War veteran or a veteran of World War One, how that must have felt. The thrill of meeting somebody who could connect you with our country's history with world history and in a personal way is is thrilling. It's it I feel the same way when I meet somebody who's a veteran of uh the the Iraq uh, wars, the the two that we we fought. I feel the same way about an Afghanistan veteran. It, it's an honor to meet those people and it and, and I, you know, obviously encourage people to you know, seek out those relationships, educate yourself, and obviously thank veterans for their service.
0: Yeah, indeed. So uh, we've got the standard crew here at Common Sense Ohio, Steve Palmer here. we got Norm Murdoch, the guy who hates, I mean, loves everybody. Uh, and we've got Brett tuning in remotely. Brett, you there?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're so, here.
0: So we got Brett. So the, now you'd wonder how the wonders, I said I wondered twice, I guess. Anyway, the wonders of technology have uh, piped Brett in from afar. He's in his Jeep. Feeling like a man, jacked up, three inches taller than normal,
1: (laughs) working through his uh, audio system. The the Jeep, you mean, not Brett. Well, Brett's all jacked up to be. No, I just want to make you know, make make sure here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that, you know, Norm, I'm going to kick us off today. I think here at Common Sense Ohio. Oh, by the way, one more thing. If you want to see how, if you want to figure out how to get your Common Sense Ohio feed, you go to wherever podcasts. Uh, are and wherever you get your podcast, but you can also go to common sense ohio show.com because the website is up it is active it is moving and grooving and norm is cranking out blogs that you can read there at an alarming rate um so if you if you've got an affinity to read uh blogs we've got good ones there and they are good you know they're they're um it's the real deal so congrats norm good job on those
1: thank you man and
0: uh so the exchequer, checker those who remember my old uh jay simons my x checker uh, he was uh, helping us out here at the command center during the shutdowns at times, but he sent me an article about uh, Columbus Police Chief Elaine Bryant, and she issued this video statement uh, last Monday, uh, and and it had something, you know, if I could, I'll, re- I'll end up reading these quotes. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this, but uh, uh, they had to cancel a a uh, a drag story time, holla hol- drag story time, and uh, I guess Columbus Police and Mayor Ginther had previously refuted or previously uh, uh, sort of sanctioned this, that uh, they were going to have Drag story time.
1: What is with that? Here man? at
0: the Red Oak Community School. Wow. And it was canceled, and it was apparently canceled because they were worried about the Proud Boys coming to protest. And uh, I wanted to read some of these, um, these quotes. And I guess I should have read them first just for effect, but I'll do it this way anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, no one, or oh, we'll start here. We will not stand for extremist groups to come into this city and cause violence. Some of those protesting were wearing military gear and carrying assault rifles. Many were wearing masks that covered their faces from the nose down. No one, and I mean no one, should be intimidated, harassed, or threatened because of who they are or who they love. Now, you would think for a second there, guys, that they were talking about the protests that happened here a couple summers ago uh, when, uh, after the Floyd mess. But no, uh, you know apparently those standards don't apply to everybody because I felt intimidated, I felt harassed, and I felt threatened only because I had a building here in South High Street and I had people outside wearing masks, uh, throwing things, causing violence, some of whom were even carrying guns, uh, and uh, they were rolling around the city. Now, look, I'm not uh, poo-pooing anybody's right to protest. I'm all for it. I think... Uh, Uh, It is a fundamental right that we have in the country. It it cannot be violent, though. And I I agree almost with all of these statements, except for the fact that it has not been applied uniformly. And, you know, as we embark upon a a new Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court uh, decision on freedom of religion and some of these other things, uh, you know, I I want everybody to be mindful of this. When we consider First Amendment issues, content-based censorship is a no-no. And what I mean by content-based, you can't say one person is allowed to speak uh, because you agree with their message, but another is not because you disagree with their message. And when I say you, I mean the government, the federal government, the state government, the local government, any government entity cannot censor your speech under the First Amendment based on what you are saying. There are some exceptions. You're not allowed to incite violence. You're not allowed to threaten people. You're not allowed to do uh, criminal things. But just saying, look, I hate you or you hate me or I hate this group or that group or whatever it is, that's protected speech. And just because you don't like the group that uh, is saying it or you happen to agree with the ones that they hate, the government is not allowed to censor it. And uh, when I read this stuff uh, sent to me by the Exchequer, it really sort of blew my mind that uh, uh, when I read the article and those quotes, I just thought, man, what hypocrisy uh, are we experiencing here? So. That's my, and, and, and that all happened, of course, right here in Columbus, Ohio, the big city here in Columbus. So
1: yeah, Ginther in particular is such a hypocrite, uh, you know, it, 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 that he picks, he picks and chooses his victims that he is going to um, assuage and, and going to lend, a, you know, sympathy to based on their politics. Yeah. So, so you know, we, we we had this terrorist guy come in with a sword and and chop a bunch of people up at a Middle Eastern restaurant a few years ago, right? Ginther never calls the restaurant owner, doesn't show up on the scene, doesn't congratulate the police department for apprehending, and they put the guy down. I mean, there was a car chase. They had to kill the guy. It, not, and, and not a word, right? But... You know, he's going to stick, he's going to insert his, himself into this Proud Boys thing. Who's, nobody is standing up and saying, you know, we like the Proud Boys. I could care less about them. I could care less what they do or what they think any more than I could care less about Antifa or BLM, as long as all of these groups are nonviolent. Let them talk. Let them tweet. Let them have a website. Let them say what they can march around and exercise all their constitutional rights. You know, just just like the you know the the, the guys that, that that walk around with the assault weapons down in Louisville, Kentucky, that are on the left that that want to march around with Grandmaster Jay as their leader. If they want to walk around and, and hold their guns and and be nonviolent, I could care less about that too.
2: Yeah, and that's yeah, You know, it's so, it was, it's so ironic about this is that if the Proud Boys had not made any comment about this uh, drag holiday thing, no one would have known it was even going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's so funny that, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, I've always said when the KKK goes downtown Ugh. just to show off. Right. If no press if no press would show up right the KKK wouldn't the KKK wouldn't show up
1: it's Seriously, six I mean, wh- what a, is a, the K- a lot of that is that what, what is the KKK in Ohio like six or seven inbred dudes you know that are compl- you know that have no teeth and uh, yeah ignore them let them do whatever they, they want. want- uh, yeah. That that's peaceful. Let let them wear their white, you, you know, smocks and their stupid little pointy hats, and they can walk around and say all the ignorant shit they want. Who cares? It
0: really? look they look ridiculous.
1: Right. They look they look and sound ridiculous. They're uneducated. They're bullies. They're dumb. Damn. But but what you know what it is? The First Amendment. And allowing these, this is what the ACLU used to believe. That's right. Used to. Is let it be a disinfectant. Let them say all this idiotic shit. And it will turn off so many people that, I mean, look how small the KKK is now. Because, you know, we have, up until recently, allowed these hate groups to say whatever they want. And And by corking it up like the Germans did after World War II where they wouldn't, allow any of these nazi books or any of these people the skinheads and all this stuff they tried to suppress it they made it a bigger thing they made it attractive because they suppressed it and that's always Mm -hmm. the problem just just you know it's always a problem when you when you tell somebody they can't Know something they can't look into it. They can't decide for themselves. You create an evil attraction to that very thing.
0: Well, maybe the the perfect right. analogy is is uh, like a black, dangerous mold, a a, a, a yes, a bacterial laden, poisonous mold that yes. that grows inside. Uh, say Dark you,
1: darkness. Yeah, say yes. Say you
0: have a camper. Yeah. Right. And one of the things they say when you have a camper is you should run a dehumidifier and all the time. And yeah. I didn't realize this until I have a camper. And, you know, the reason is because when you run heat, it creates moisture. And, you know, if you're in there more, it creates more moisture. And what you need to do is you need to dry it out. And the best way to dry out your house, your attic, your your mildew ridden shower is to shed some sunshine on it because it kills it that kind of toxin can't live in the sunshine it can't live where it is exposed to the sunshine of debate of real ideas of 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 a of a of an intellectual challenge that's not even really that intellectual any (laughs) any half-wit idiot can can say it is foolish to favor one race over another and you know it, it by by Squelching these ideas, they're going to get the opposite. They're going to get a backlash, and that right quick, and it's going to be bad for all of us. It's going to be what happened. Uh, we're going to repeat 19, the '30s again, you know, because you're going to get this this uh, ideology that's left to grow unexposed. And when and, and and I guess what I should say, Norm, is that the thing about mold is that it spreads. And uh, it it replicates, it reproduces, and it spreads. And if you have these ideas that have been squelched, it's not going to stop the ideas. It's going to just push them into the dark where it can spread. And what I mean by spread, it's going to allow them to get other members who aren't going to be exposed to the contrary viewpoints of their ideology. And the other members are only going to get the one-sided, here's why we're right type of (coughs) recruitment. And it's going to end up, it's going to end up, Growing, and
1: well, I've always said the problem with the left is that they deny basic human tendencies. They they deny what it is to be human. They 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 don't understand the human nature, and they and they are trying to create some kind of being out of all of us that is abnormal, that's inhuman. And, you know, for example, taking away profit motive or taking away self-interest, none of those communist ideas ever work in reality because people always want to do a little bit better for their own family and themselves. They always want a little more. They want to work harder, you know, and that's just one aspect of being a human being. Another aspect is always being curious. And, and it seems like the left, it, it, with their suppression uh, across the board, on the Internet, in books, and movies, the idea that we all have to conform to some kind of leftist religion that they're creating, this secular humanist religion that we all have to adhere to, all they are doing is making people more and more agitated to look for other things. They need to let human beings be human. But 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 they well, they they, they, they deny it. they deny what it is to be human. And the irony of that
0: here is the irony of that is that they they reject. I'm saying they sort of broadly, so I get it. My brush is pretty broad here, but they reject God. They reject a certain um, right uh, understanding that there's a higher power, and they reject that implicitly. They're, they, and it, what they really uh, what they really are is Darwinists. And the the irony is that. They they want to squelch the very qualities that would perpetuate the Darwinist notion, right? The survival of the fittest. We are humans. We will do what we need to do to survive uh, on our own. And, you know, we live Uh, in a world that wants to kill us. We live in a world that unprotected (laughs) it will kill us. Right. Right. You can't go, like, particularly as humans, yeah. we, you know, we're at the top of the food chain clearly, but you can't, we can't go out without a coat on. We can't go just walk through, like, this world wants to kill us and, and the, we need protection from that and we're going to do it ourselves. And if anybody thinks that I'm going to rely on Ginther or any other jackass politician to protect me and my own, you know, you're sorely mistaken. I need to flourish in a free country where I have the right to protect me and my own while respecting at the same time the rights of others to do the same.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Ginther, drop. if it's if it's okay to, <laughs> to to shift gears and stay with the same idiots. To it, 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 this week, Columbus City Council, at the at the urging of what, what's his name, Zach Klein and and, and uh, Andrew Ginther, uh, it pushed seven to zero. City Council passed firearms legislation. Oh yeah, in the face of state law, which preempts cities and villages from passing local firearms restrictions so this has been litigated it's gone up to the ohio supreme court and it's been firmly established that the preemption laws of the state of ohio are valid and so this is an exercise in futility but what they did is they passed three things and, 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 you know, the, 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 the two that we can dismiss almost out of hand already exist, and that is you have to safely store your firearms. Duh. There's already laws covering that. And you can't yeah. give.
0: Oh, yeah. Until there was a law. Yeah. I right. wasn't going to safely store sure. my firearms. Oh, right. thank you very much, I, City of you. Columbus, right. because all those guns that I have, I didn't know that I should <laughs> safely store them.
1: So there's already laws on the books for that. And there's and there's already laws on the books for the second thing they did, which was you can't give. A gun to a person who is disqualified you know like a minor you know you, you can't just give them a gun oh, and say, this crazy Off guy who's a criminal <laughs> or Damn, a criminal
0: i was that's a good thing they passed a law right. because i wasn't i was just about to give my gun to this crazy lunatic criminal who was going to go use it yeah. to shoot somebody to
1: the manson family yeah. right uh, and the third thing they did that is is they you know they reached back to the old john kennedy city council uh a guy it, it, several years ago who passed an assault weapon ban, and, and which was thrown out by the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court threw all those out nationwide, and 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 that was and so so they're backdooring the assault weapons ban again by making illegal any magazine, whether it's belt clip, uh, whether it's a a, a a magazine that you insert a box magazine of thirty rounds or greater. Okay, and and for those that are not firearms, um, you know, uh, familiar, a thirty-round clip is is like one of the most common nine dollar and ninety-nine cent plastic clip that you can buy at Vance's or or online or or wherever you buy your firearms products. Thirty rounds is kind of almost the standard size that you use in an AR or an AK, uh, semi-automatic. Uh, when you go target shooting or plinking or whatever you're doing, collecting. And, and so they picked, you know, literally perhaps the most popular size magazine to make illegal. And if you have one of those in the city of Columbus, this legislation mandates a hundred, it mandates minimum 180 days, a half a year in jail well here's what's interesting about this. unbelievable
0: and, and, and look there are wow. preemption laws and what we should talk about is something called the supremacy clause where you know if you have a the the greater governmental entity uh ha, it, it, yeah, i'm trying to think of the best way to break this down and make it simple um let's just say this if ohio has a law that says uh that does not uh or if the, well, you can start with the constitution if the constitution permits this no city state village uh can uh, pass a law to prohibit it if the Constitution uh, allows it. So this this is immediately going to run afoul of the Second Amendment. Now let's say that a uh, Second Amendment. Now let's say that the local city law here in Columbus is contrary to a state law, then the state law uh, will prevail, as you said, Norm. Uh, you use the word preempt, Yeah. but it's really uh, – uh, y- 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 there's this notion called preempting the field. So if the state acts in such a huge regulatory way that it takes over everything – Uh, then they have preempted the field and they have sole exclusive jurisdiction to uh, actually legislate on that topic. And I think that's what you're saying here. But beyond that, I ran into this. There was a case, I'm not going to mention names, I was interested in for a while, and it involved a similar uh, law that says it prohibited a certain city in the United States of America, prohibited 30-round magazines. Clips are different, but magazines. And it got me thinking. Uh, what if I'm a freight carrier? What if I'm uh, Amazon? What if I'm uh, one of the golden childs or golden golden children of the, of the left, and I sell magazine clips, or if, if I'm FedEx, or if I'm the, even the U.S. Mail, and I order from you, Norm, in a state or a city that prohibit or that does not prohibit 30, ma- 30 round magazines, and you have to deliver it to me up in Delaware County, but in order to get there, you inevitably are going to go through, you're going to pass through uh, the city of Columbus. Now, how is the driver of the UPS truck going to know that in the back, in one of his boxes, is a thirty-round magazine? Uh, and he gets pulled over. They check his manifest, his bills of lading, or whatever they are, and uh, they say, "Oh, by the way, you've got this thirty-round magazine. You're going to go to jail for 180 days." This, this is the kind of stupidity uh, that occurs because these people did. I look. I, I don't know. I haven't read the legislation, but I will bet you that they haven't thought of it. And uh, the problem is going to be when you have legislation like that, it strikes, it casts a net too broadly, even if it's valid at the outset. uh, They haven't thought it all through. So,
1: Well, I I read some of the uh, thinking, and I put the word thinking in quotes, uh, by some of the council persons. And some of the quotes are along the lines of, we have to do something. Yeah, because it's that, my favorite quote which time, I, I love that which we,
0: is really saying what we're doing is not going to make any difference but we're going to do it anyway knowing it because it looks good because well, we have they, to do something yeah, this
1: particular female for them, frat- yeah. particular councilwoman actually said that she said we have to do something but we're not so naive as to think that we this will solve the problem so in other words they're <laughs> passing show legislation and she said it was because there was now this is Norm's uh, disdainful description because, like, like, uh, like Peterson, I am not going to I'm not going to dignify I'm not changing my language to uh to to satisfy other people. And so I'll call it the BLTQ plus crowd. Uh, she said we have to do something because there was an attack at the Q Club uh that we all know about uh, and it, it turned out it was a member of the bltq plus uh community who did that shooting but isn't it lgbtq you, well i call it the bltq the B L T Q. Uh, yeah i like sandwiches <laughs>
0: because you're you're, you're yeah, yeah <laughs> right. you.
1: okay. So so yeah so like peterson like jordan peterson i you can't make me say it i'm not going to say i'm not going to say the politically correct way that First of all, that's not even a community. Let's face it. Within the LGBTQ plus community, they have very different different policy goals and very different positions. It is not a unified community any more than the hetero community is unified. So I will not dignify that expression. That's being done to bludgeon the rest of us into thinking it is a community. It is not a community. So number well, one, you know,
2: and there's, yeah, well, I, and, there's a couple of things too that thinking about this, this legislation, jump it's, in, it's man, insert here. Yeah. But it, okay. So why all of a sudden, and again, this has nothing to do with the LBGTQ LBLT community, but you know, so why now? And we didn't do it when we had the, like, the latest school shooting, Th- that wasn't enough to push this as well as, okay, so we're asking and we're going to force somebody that's got a magazine, spend six months in jail, that's a factory. Jails are factories (laughs) to create better criminals. Why would you stick somebody that really oughtn't be in jail in there for six months or a hardened criminal in there and they just learn more? It doesn't make any sense.
0: No. Right. And and look, I mean, how many listeners here possess, own 30-round magazines that live in the city of Columbus?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. When John Kennedy –
2: Must be enough.
1: All those decades ago when they passed the assault rifle ban. And of course, civilians who do not get a class three license don't own assault weapons. Assault weapons are selective fire. The definition of an assault weapon, it's an intermediate round rifle with selective fire, meaning it it can, it can be with the flick of a switch. It can be either semi-auto or full auto. That is the definition of... Of an assault weapon.
0: Well, Norm, they'll just change the definition. That's been a trick yeah, on the left for years. Right, I mean, right. that's, that's so
1: it. they took they took basically the point of view that if a gun looks scary, that's an assault weapon, right? If it's got a bayonet lug, or if it's painted black, or if it has a synthetic stock instead of a wood stock, suddenly suddenly it's scary, and that's an assault weapon. That's essentially what they said. So what did I do? I I moved downtown. Uh, I moved into downtown Columbus. I thought Columbus really rocked when I first got here decades ago. I thought this town was happening. It Uh, was. And it was. And we can get into how cool Columbus used to be. And I moved downtown, and I loved this city. I loved the freedom of it. I loved the the people. I loved the atmosphere. German Village was really safe back then, and the cops were on it. And, and the cops were allowed to be on it. The brewery and, district was emerging. I the mean, brewing, it, hey, man, we had city center going. Lots of cool stuff. At any rate, when they passed this idiotic legislation, I moved my household and I moved my business. Did you hear that, Columbus City Council? I moved my tax-paying business the hell out of your town. Okay? And I went to Pickerington with it. I left Columbus over your stupid Restrictions on firearms, and a lot of people did a lot of shows. There were monthly shows at Veterans Memorial. Yep. Uh, there, there was a lot going on with firearms, and it was totally safe, and it was totally upright, and it was totally legal. And you kicked it out of town. So that's what happens. Uh, the other idiotic thing that one of the council persons said to justify this legislation is the quote: "No citizen needs." unquote xyz right oh thanks yeah so 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 yeah. our constitutional rights now according to columbus city council are only those things that citizens need so i guess I, i'm just thinking about columbus things i guess we can cross wendy's off the list we can c- cross off the muirfield tournament we can cross off uh r- golf white castles the best damn band in the land football uh, hot air balloons, mid-Ohio racing, state parks, the Tecumseh outdoor drama. Why don't we just cross, you know, none, nobody needs any of that, right? But that's all constitutional. Yeah. That's all legal. If we reduce our lives to just those things we need, what is it? Clothing, uh, warmth, uh, shelter, uh, and food, I guess, and water. I mean, I mean it, it, right. so I guess that's the, the the dystopian future that they have in mind for us. Just live in your yeah, stupid little rabbit one, yeah. you know, and, and right. just eat the gruel that we serve you. And that's all you get, little citizen. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty you, mad about you know, we've, this. We've
2: talked about this before in regards to you know, the, the grand design of, you don't need automobiles. We have CODA for you, right? You don't need to live in a single home. We've got multiplexes. You need to live in. Right. Oh, you, you know, all these controlling pieces that, you That's know, again, right. that have grand design. Yeah. I read that quote too. And that came right back to what we talked about before is like, you don't need a car downtown. No. You can ride a bus.
1: Right. Yeah. Sure. You know, you don't need plaid mm-hmm. pants and a stupid hat. So, uh, who needs golfing? Let's close all the golf clubs, you know. I'd, yeah. I'd like to. I'd yeah. like to hear what the doctors and lawyers at Columbus, you know, would say about that. But the, but it's okay to yeah. take away <laughs> uh, guns from uh, you know the blue collar guys that enjoy hunting or or like collecting or want to defend their household or want to uphold as the as the founding fathers said the reason we have the Second Amendment is so that the people have the means to overcome or to uh or to uh, oppose tyranny that is the purpose yeah. of the second amendment yeah. and there is nothing then, wrong know, I think, with somebody having yeah. that attitude nothing wrong
2: at yeah all. i think you get I, and you mentioned you know that the, the blue collar base there's a lot of white collar out there that have exactly what you're talking about sure yeah uh, you know, it, it just comes down to when you start passing this kind of legislation they start to get very vocal or they at least they get to be known Which it'll be interesting how much pushback that you know that white collar, the doctors, the lawyers, that one lawyer that's in the room right there with you, you know, they own guns. And and Steve's considered white collar.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. Right. Well, we used to be a cool town. (laughs) You know, we we had the Columbus 500 here, we had gun shows at Veterans Memorial. Uh, Downtown had a lot of choices for dining. Uh, it wasn't all up there in the you know Italian village or the short north like it is now. A lot of things have closed down. City center's gone. Lazarus is gone. Cosi moved across the river. Um, it's it's now. I feel like Columbus is now run by a bunch of scolds that are about as tolerant as Miles Standish. In Old Plymouth, Massachusetts, or something, it it feels like it, Miles Standish. Good, yeah. If I, I feel like I feel like what we have here, it's,
0: a, it's like a fifth grade uh, fill in the blank test. Yeah. you know?
1: yeah. I feel like I'm in an Arthur Miller, uh, you know, existence. Well, now we're here. up to like college level literature. Yeah, right. right. The Scarlet Letter, right? Well, now you know? it's back to high school literature. Yeah.
0: <laughs> old Hester Prynne. That's right.
1: So I I feel like you know we have to abide by. Some kind of strict code, right? Or we're not welcome in this city anymore, and that's how the scolds on city council. That's the milieu, the social milieu that has been created in Columbus, and they're surprised that people are fleeing, you know, out to Delaware and Licking County and and want to get the hell out. There, we are turning into another Cleveland or Cincinnati, where Columbus is just going to be a donut with with an empty middle. And people living on the outside in a ring around the city. That's what's going on. And they're letting the short north go to hell in a handbasket, by the way.
0: You know, the problem with this is it's like they're like all other decisions. You know, they make a political decision that we're going to start passing this legislation. They don't realize that it puts a yoke on certain businesses like yours back in, in the day. Sure. Um, or that it uh, it causes people to want to leave. And then when businesses leave, what you're really saying, Norm, and what, what you didn't say out loud but was implicit is, uh, screw you! I'm taking my business elsewhere. You're saying screw you! I'm taking my tax dollars elsewhere.
1: Yeah, am right.
0: Taking my revenue that would fund all these ridiculous projects elsewhere. Right. And if you just look around the country at cities who are uh, implementing this kind of draconian stuff, uh, they're they're failing because they like people are running. Even the people that agree with them ideologically are running. They have to because they can't function. And when they can't function, they're not paying the taxes. They're not um re- recycling the revenue in the community uh and then what happens like that's when you get cities that get laid to waste yeah because it takes money
1: well the brain drain for example in California it, it can, it, you, you can look at one little <laughs> one little statistic and that was it was like a two-month wait to get a U-haul truck if you wanted to exit California. There were tons of U-Haul trucks available in Texas and Florida, right, Tennessee, they're, they're Arizona, right. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you, you, could get a, you could get a U-Haul truck all day long this past summer and the summer before if you were going to drive to California. But if you wanted to leave California, there were so many people leaving that it was literally a two-month wait to get a U-Haul truck. That just shows you, people are voting with their feet. Unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's, wow. you know, it, that, that, that is the consequence.
1: That's for this. a consequence.
0: So, in, but you know what? They're right, Norm. We have to do something. They have yeah. to do something, well, and they're right. So, we, we don't care if we all go broke. We don't care if the city gets laid to waste. No. We don't care if we create this sort of, uh, urban ruin of, uh, of a landscape because, you know what? Ideologically, we're correct and, and the ends justify the means.
1: Yeah. It's terrible. I, if there was yeah. one funny thing. I mean, it's funny in a, um, in a sarcastic way uh, but uh, a recent book came out about um it's titled and you'll love this guys it it's written by um a dr aaron cariotti and it's called the new abnormal the rise of the biomedical security state and this guy's a fellow with the ethics and public policy center he wrote a book the book came out this year and he cites the Ohio Department of Health in the book. And I just want you guys, mm. I, want you to hear, I want you to hear this. Under the DeWine administration, the Ohio Department of Health put out this television public service announcement as follows. Quote, there are just, and this is a pro-vax propaganda uh, a PSA. But, you know, back when they were pushing the vax. Quote, there are just a few simple ingredients. Water sugar, salt, fat, and most importantly, a building block for protein. That's less stuff than a candy bar or a can of pop, unquote. And it was an immunologist saying that. Now, the author of this book says you couldn't have a more clear example of government misinformation than that. Comparing a wow. vaccine, right, to the ingredients of a candy bar, right, right? I mean, they have nothing to do with each other at all. I mean, it, you don't consume a vaccine in your belly and digest it. That's not what happens. And the this is a quote from the author. The condescension on display also tells you all you need to know about what Ohio's public health officials, I will insert DeWine's Ohio public health officials, think of the intelligence of the average citizen of Ohio. So- we were literally subject to the kind of misinformation. There's a great example. And Twitter certainly didn't ban that misinformation, did they? Or Facebook or Google. Yeah. No, they, they banned all the scientists that wanted to study what the side effects were, that wanted to see what the vaccines effects were. The CDC hid data when they, when they finally published data on, on citizens below the age of 65, they hid all the data about everybody 49 and under. And that's because basically those people were hardly getting sick. It was, it it was an old person's, it was fatal to older people and to people who, you know, had uh, compromised health. And so, the government not only disinformed us they misinformed us deliberately and good for elon in other ways he he's exposing all kinds of corruption all kinds of suppression all kinds of trampling on the first amendment and here i would like to know what i'd like to know if dewine ever requested twitter to turn off posts uh, to turn off people tweeting about uh, the Vax uh, program in Ohio. Be interesting if all this comes out. So, um,
2: you know, that if you you haven't heard it yet as as, as a listener gaslighting, I I think you really need to figure out and understand what that term means. Look at the definition. I think we've got a lot of gaslighting going on. They just keep saying over and over and over, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And you make believers out of people and they just go on lockstep
0: yeah and the term,
2: we are we are in a gaslight era
0: yeah Man. the term comes from an old movie called gaslight and uh, and I forget who the actors were and it's it's sort of one of these film yeah. noirs yeah. where the guy was driving his uh, wife crazy by uh, by turning up and down the lights or the gas to the lights and so the lights would flicker and go up and down and he would deny to her that it, she would complain look there's something wrong with the lights and he would deny it and say no there's not in other words uh, they would. what was obviously true, they're denying. What is obviously mm-hmm. uh, clear and makes common sense to the rest of us, they deny it and look the other way and then yeah. say we're crazy for believing uh, anything other than what they're telling us. And it's a really sinister practice. It really is. And it's. Um,
1: Do you remember DeWine's program where he gave away, in, in a raffles, full-ride scholarship. oh Full uh, scholarships, full-ride yeah. scholarships in order to get college-age people – to go get vaxxed when they were the people who least needed the vax and who are now suffering side effects. Yep.
0: Yep. And well, people yeah, were yeah. a lot. Like, was it $100,000 you could enter to win
1: or something? Like I mean, that. it was yeah.
0: insane. Utter, utter insanity.
1: Utter insanity. That was our
0: My supposedly conservative tax
1: dollars governor. going to pay. Right uh
0: for somebody to get a vaccine a shot that they should have every right to take or not take if they don't want it i, I mean it just is it is utter and gaslighting
1: steve, steve, steve how's that equal protection right so the only people eligible for that raffle were people who got the jab right well what about people who choose not to get it no, you or, who, who, or, or whose doctors told them i don't think the jab is in your best interest because uh, you 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 have certain medical conditions that
0: Well, how dare you say anything like that if you're a doctor because you'd have been shut so those, down and put out of
1: business Those college kids couldn't go get not. in that raffle Of course not my kids so, How's no, that equal no. protection
2: No utter utter yeah. utter
1: craziness utter craziness
2: It's just yeah it's just a you know state state sponsored lottery that's all it is
1: I want to tee I want to tee up something for Steve here because uh, I think he'll have a lot to say about this back right before okay. Thanksgiving a major civil lawsuit in federal court came out about a um, a putative, well, he was a convicted rapist and kidnapper, um, a, a gentleman by the name of Dean Gillespie. I don't know if this guy was guilty or innocent, but I do know as a result of this lawsuit that he got $45 million uh, from the jury against Miami Township, here in Ohio and the lead detective in the case. 1991, Montgomery County, Ohio, Miami Township. uh, He was accused of raping three victims and kidnapping them. Um, The former Ohio Attorney General Jim Petro represented him. The UC uh, School of Law uh, Innocence Project uh, also uh, helped in the case. And what came out of the case was the detective suppressed evidence of him being at a campsite in Kentucky during the pen, during the time that these uh, alleged rapes happened in Ohio uh, there was a receipt for his uh, for him camping in Kentucky and that was suppressed that that was not given to uh the, uh, the to the defense counsel and also he tainted the eyewitnesses by saying disregard this, uh, in the lineup, disregard his hair color because he may have dyed his hair. Yeah. So he, he poisoned the lineup. Um, there was no DNA evidence that, uh, in the case. So, so no seminal fluid that, you know, on the victims that then matched him that did not exist in this case. And, uh, 45 mil, he was in prison for 26 years. Yeah, so go, I'm, go Steve.
0: I'm, I'm a little familiar with this case. I you you gave me more facts than I recall, but I remember reading this when it was uh, happening. And here's what's fascinating to me: uh, we operate, and here's maybe where I, I people might be surprised at where I land politically. Like, how can I be a conservative and then be anti-law and order? That's the perception, but it's not the right perception because what it is is this. I do not trust the government because the government is made up of people, and people are flawed. People are inherently flawed, originally flawed, if you believe as I do. And that doesn't mean we're bad. It just means that we have to recognize that we're not perfect. And it, we are not perfect in ways that are often very, very dangerous when we're put in positions of authority over others. So, And uh, you know, you could say that this police officer, this detective – or these detectives or police officers had a, a specific motive to frame a specific person. But it's usually not that direct. It's usually far more subtle and therefore far more dangerous. It usually is something that I like to call confirmation bias, where police are so sure they have it right that anything contrary to what they think is, is, is uh, only dangerous to getting the justified end that is a conviction. So instead of uh, going and exploring the alibi of this guy being at a campground in Kentucky, they bury it. Instead of risking a misidentification from a victim, uh, they bury it or try to uh, uh, influence it in a way that gets the identification they want. And they do this sort of subtly, and this happens even today. So when people say, uh, I trust the government to tell me about their vaccine and it's safe, I look at cases like this and say, How can you possibly do that? The government. Uh, is just it's just made up of people. They don't get a magic wand waved over their head that creates perfection because they got elected to a position or got hired to be a sheriff or got hired to be a detective or went to detective school. They're all subject to the same flaws. Now, I'm not saying that we we should just fire them all or not have law and order. I'm saying that we need to have safeguards in place. And it's amazing how insightful our founders were when they wrote the Bill of Rights, or at least. There's a story behind that, too. They, they didn't think they had to write the Bill of Rights because some of this stuff was sort of implicit, but we have developed a system of safeguards, a system that lets us challenge facts even when everybody else thinks they're true, a system that would say, we're allowed to say out loud that we don't want this vaccine or we think that this guy is being wrongfully convicted and make the government prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. There's a reason we have these standards because the system recognizes its inherent flaws We the people also need to recognize the inherent flaws of the system not to say we shouldn't prosecute criminals But we should make sure that the criminals we prosecute uh, Are are one we're we're doing the right thing and two we are doing it the right way that we have the safeguards in place I wrote this article on science, and it's the same thing You know how many times do we have to prove that two plus two is four norm as many times as somebody asks? and that means you write you put out four sticks on the table and separate them in twos and say one two three four it's four now you know. Now what if my kid asked me, how do you know two plus two is four? Am I going to tell him because I say so or am I going to pull out the sticks and show him? And when somebody is uh, accused of a crime like that, it it is the hue and cry, the angry mob, the the nature of the beast changes the nature of the police action because rape is abhorrent. And those guilty of it ought to be castrated, thrown to the wolves, I agree 100%. Um, but if you first have to make sure you follow the rules and do it right. And here's where my job is so critical, because if you don't have somebody on your side doing what I do, and not only doing what I do, but doing it well, and you would say, well, you know, it's unfair. Or we don't need the, you know, these these defense lawyers. How do you represent those reprehensible people? Uh, those guilty people, I ask jurors all the time, what's the number one question I get? And it's usually, how do you represent all those guilty people? Number two is like, can you get me off? <laughs> you know, yeah. but but really the hardest question for me is how do you represent somebody you think might be innocent? And, it, you know, it, it's because it's it sort of that response exposes the presumptive bias that's implicit in the question being asked of me. How do you represent those guilty people implies that everybody I represent is guilty and it's not the fact. And it wasn't the fact here. Um, or at least there wasn't proof beyond a reasonable doubt if this evidence wouldn't have been suppressed, buried, or otherwise uh, disregarded. So, you know, that's my uh, that's my soapbox on this for, for yeah, for I now. mean,,
1: Steve, that's the whole reason that Constitution um, specifically says that you're entitled to adequate counsel, you know, is to ensure that when somebody's found guilty, that you had vigorous representation, competent representation, and then the public, can feel assured that justice was done.
0: Norm, I had a case. It was a child sex abuse case. A guy was accused of raping his stepdaughter or something like that. Horrid stuff, you know, the kind of stuff that turns your stomach, that makes you squirm, that makes you think, this guy ought to be burned at the stake, me included, except when I dug into it, he was innocent. He was factually innocent. And, I'm, and you could say, well, how do you know? Well, that's my opinion, right? But my my assessment of the case is this guy didn't do it. Here is the story. A, uh, this young girl said you know how'd you find out uh, why did you come forward now well because i was lying in bed one day and the tree that's near my window started to move and it, the branches came through my window and a witch dropped out of the branches and told me that your your uh, uncle is doing this to you and then you should report it and uh, so that's why i'm here it was some craziness like that yeah and now if she would have then reported that uh it was a theft case like say you're a theft victim and say what what happened well a witch told me i was being that I'm a victim of a theft, everybody would laugh it out of court. But in that case, they didn't. Not only didn't they, they found it more reliable because it was a kid in a child sex abuse allegation. And the point I'm making is the greater the emotional response, the greater the likelihood of a problem. Wow. That's scary. Wow. And therefore, yep. the more necessity there is to make sure you follow the process. It's not unlike. Aristotle's scientific method, right? right? You have a hypothesis, and your job is not to prove that you're right. It is to try to prove in every way, shape, or form that you're wrong. And any time you come up with a wrong answer, if the dice come up snake eyes, you have to go back and revise your hypothesis. And so we have these, in in in, in criminal investigation is so often the opposite. The stairway documentary people talked about a couple years ago is, is a perfect example where there was a blood spatter on a stairwell where a guy was accused of throwing his wife down the stairs. And the, the government scientists went in and tried to replicate the splatter in the way that matched what they thought the crime was and you know on the hundredth time they're high-fiving themselves because they got it right so then they came into court and said no we, we matched it we did the experiment and it came out right but they ignored the hundred the 99 times that it didn't work yeah. so 99 times out of a hundred it couldn't have happened and instead they buried those and uh, they made it seem as though they proved that it occurred that is the scientific method on its ear we have to be very, very careful about this stuff, and people just aren't.
1: Yeah, so if the defendant in that case had not had a, a really high-quality attorney representing him or her, uh, that the fact that it, it was one out of a 100 times the blood spatter matched, that would not have come out. It if come you out. had some kid right out of law school or you know or somebody who's uh, you know got got a million public defender cases and this is just one more case and he's got 10 minutes to prep for the trial that's not adequate that's I, not adequate representation in any way shape or form
0: when i talk to young criminal defense lawyers or even experienced ones i always have the same i say something very similar trust nothing when it comes to these cases you know these aren't speeding and even speeding cases but in these cases the consequences are well, pretty yeah, high yeah, right. so like trust nothing trust nothing because the agenda is conviction when, and so that's why I was so floored at the response of somebody like the ACLU or a lot of public defenders or a lot of people who fight the government day in and day out when these vaccines came out or when these government mandates start coming out or when the government starts taking more control that they're just going along and saying, well, you know, they got my best interest in mind. They don't, they don't. Uh, And, and you know, when, when the government says these vaccines are safe, my first reaction, my first the, the little voice in my head says trust nothing yeah trust nothing yeah and,
2: you know by and yeah and by human nature we we want to trust everyone i mean we we, we we think why would somebody come out to get me personally right but yeah the tendency is we could get railroaded very easily if we're not protected by the laws that were set up yeah that's scary That's really right. scary well
1: like, like look mm. at all the pressure on this moscow uh, idaho police department You know, three weeks ago, these four college uh, students were stabbed in their off-campus housing, and people are expecting the police department to have this case solved in three weeks, and, Uh you you know, and it's like, you know, they want to, I'm sure, the impulse of most of those police officers and the FBI on scene, the non-political part of the FBI, let me just interject, the the, the, the rank-and-file FBI people, the people that, you know, we're after John Dillinger, you know, and Bonnie and Clyde, those kind of good guys, the and ladies the, of the FBI. I, I'm sure your average LEO on on the job out there in Moscow, Idaho, they want to get the right perp. They want to get the guy, right? Or girl yeah. or, or, or woman, whoever did these awful crimes. And, you know, the this rush... That that some of the families, God bless these families, they're in pain. But but the rush to, uh, to to just find somebody to get it over with to conclude everything. I understand the human emotion to do that, like you say, Brett. But you got to get it right. You got to go to where the yeah. facts lead. And you know, I just heard on the radio today there was a triple homicide a year ago today of a father and two children that were shot to death. Uh, in a neighborhood here in Columbus and the Columbus PD doesn't have it solved and they're asking for help. These cases may take a while to solve and you've got yeah. to let the chips fall where they may.
0: Yeah, and Brett, you said something. You said, coming to get me personally. And here's what's interesting about that. It, it rarely... I, I rarely start there, it rarely begins with a personal attack. You know, you might find an occasional case where the police just hate the guy and they try to frame him, and, and, but I think that's an outlier. And there's an old saying that you never attribute to to ill intent, what can be explained by incompetence, or I would add to that, what what can be explained by incompetence and human nature. Yeah. And w- in these cases, most of the time, it is that the police think they are right. And, and the more they think they're right, the more dangerous they become because it becomes very easy then yeah. to ignore uh, evidence and obvious facts that don't support your theory
1: yeah any bureaucracy hates to admit that it might be wrong and then after the fact yeah now yeah now you're stuck now you're
0: now you're entrenched so what do you do say i'm wrong and then suffer consequences right. it was like uh barry sheck uh has a famous quote there was there were guys who were um
1: and barry is you should identify barry him.
0: sheck's a famous lawyer he's known for his dna expertise you know Thank sort you. of made a name for himself doing that he worked on the oj case yeah.
1: and he was a very uh uh, competent out of murderer. Michigan, I think.
0: Uh, I think yeah. he was he was Michigan, but the case. I think this case was Boston.
1: Gotcha. And uh, yeah, he's a national guy. national guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, he helped somebody get exonerated. He had an Innocence Project and helped somebody get exonerated for rape on a DNA on DNA I evidence. Mean, and this is back when DNA was sort of emerging, and you could use it to to go back and double check uh, convictions. And it turns out that the guy who had served how many years in prison, who knows, uh, his DNA didn't match that semen or that uh, substance that was found on the victim. And, uh, the prosecutor didn't relent instead said, well, all this tells us is that there's somebody else also who is there that must <laughs> have raped her. Wow. And Barry Sheck famously oh, said, wow. this is the case of the unindicted co-ejaculator, you yeah, know, yeah. because it's like, <laughs> it, you know, it, yeah. the obvious answer is they got the wrong guy, but they they'll revise their theory to make this guy fit instead of, uh, instead of, uh,
1: pursuing justice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Instead of looking for because they're so sure they're right. Yeah. That's the problem.
1: That is a problem. The problem, and that is human nature. Yes, you know, we we, we hate to admit we're wrong, and it, it takes it takes a a very forthright forthright you know prosecutor or chief of police or whoever to say, you know, looking back on it, we missed some things. I I, I want to reopen the case. Uh, you know, this it's it's legitimate that we take a second look here. That that's really big stuff, and and it's an unusual person that will do that.
0: I had a, I'll tell one more war story, and then I'll let Newing move on. I had one of my first jury trials here in Franklin County, so we're back to Ohio, uh, Frank County Court of Common Pleas. It was uh, the Honorable Judge John Bessie, fabulous judge back in the day, and um, it was a guy who was accused of grand theft auto, robbing a car, or being in a stolen car. Actually, he was receiving stolen property. He was a passenger in a stolen car, and he had gone out and gotten plastered at the bars here in Columbus, somehow ended up in a car with strangers, didn't know who they were. And this is all true. These are facts. These are not disputed facts. Police pull the car over and everybody takes off. You know, it's like they, <laughs> they take off. And uh, my guy was in the back seat and ran with everybody else. And they find him hiding behind some guy or some g- gas grill on somebody's patio on the west side of Columbus and spotlight him say, we got you. About two and a half years later, the case goes to trial. I inherit the case from another attorney and uh, I'm, I'm doing it for essentially nothing because I, I just was looking for experience and i dig into it and uh it turns out the steering column was stripped that's old fancy vernacular for the car was clearly stolen you know they had ripped apart the steering column to get to the uh hot wire ignition it. and hot wire it and uh and, but it was dark at two in the morning and my client said look i had no idea this car was stolen i was just getting in the car with a couple with a bunch of drunks that were at the bar with me they were going to take me home uh, i don't even know why i was doing that so we go through the testimony the police officer Uh, Gets on the witness stand, describes how he pulled the car over, how everybody ran. He followed my client to the patio where he was hiding behind the gas grill and found him there, arrested him. All right, Mr. Officer, asks the prosecutor, can you identify the defendant here in the courtroom? And that's about how long the silence was. Hmm. Looks over at the defense table where so often it's obvious who the defendant is. It ain't me. I'm wearing a suit with notes in front of me. Sure. And, and and looks over at my table and eventually after that silence says, you know, I got to be honest. I've been doing this job for I don't know how long and I've arrested I don't know how many people. It's been a couple of years. I have no idea if that's a guy or not. I, I just I have no idea. I don't recognize him today. Maybe it's the guy. Maybe it's not. I just don't remember. Yeah. And I immediately my young faith in the system. Was was restored at least to some degree. Yeah, it was an uh, it was the most honest moment in a courtroom I have ever experienced out of a police officer. That's incredible. And if I remember the guy's name wow. today, I would call him and talk to him about it. But it was like one of those blow my yeah blow me away moments at, yeah. at probably twenty six years old, uh, my first felony jury trial, and uh, I've never forgotten it. So hats off to whoever you are, officer. If you remember it, I, I uh, bless you.
1: You know, and and that that illustrates also. You know, for the other side, because we often think that justice, you know, justice uh, should be swift uh, in terms of, you know, that's a protection of the accused, right? Mm -hmm. That the accused shouldn't have to be in suspension for two and a half years waiting to find out if his life is coming to an end because he's going to go to prison. You know, the, the state has a burden to present the evidence quickly and get that case dispatched quickly one way or the other. And that usually, you know, sounds like, well, that's that's to protect the citizen who's being accused. In this case, curiously enough. It would
0: have helped them. It right? would have
1: helped pr- yeah. the prosecution because the police officer, it would have been fresh in his mind. It would have only have been 30, 60 days, you know, prior. And he would have looked at the guy and said, oh, yeah, they, you know, that, that that's the guy.
0: Yeah, Yep. Well, the case resolved, you know, yeah. it, it, they gave me a deal because they could have tried to prove it acrobatically a little bit by pulling out slate photos or, or jail photos and, and mug shots. And it, but with the hearsay rules and evidence rules, it would have been difficult for them to do it. But. Can
1: I can I do a, a little cautionary tale? Sure. This will take two minutes. So I texted my friend Steve, um, who, uh, you know, I'm leaning on him for legal advice. I You know, I went to law school, but I'm not an attorney. And I don't play one on TV, and I haven't stayed at a Holiday Inn, so I don't think that I'm an attorney. Um, that's, only a fool has himself uh, for an attorney uh, is it, it, a famous saying, and it's also true. Uh, but I was called by my son, uh, who was a, a driver in, in his girlfriend's car. They, they were hit by a truck. Nobody was hurt, thank God. Uh, at least so far that we know of, she, she got a little banged up, but she's, um, uh, you know, getting x-rays and they're going to follow up, make sure that she's not hurt. But, uh, at any rate, they, they, they barely get home and the phone starts ringing. And of course they're very naive, you know, college age kids. Uh, and, uh, it's some attorney, you know, literally an ambulance chasing law firm based in Beverly Hills, California. And they're they're nowhere near Beverly Hills, California. They're in the middle of the country, in a completely different state, uh, in the middle of the United States. Probably, uh, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand miles away from Beverly Hills, California. Uh, but at any rate, this firm uh, pressures them to sign a retainer, five hundred and fifty dollars an hour, if uh, and plus that uh, they have to pay expenses. Well, uh, because. I'm a little bit more familiar with the legal system than your average father have, you know, because I do have the education. Uh, I got my son out of that contract uh, within 24 hours, but it's a cautionary tale. There are good attorneys, there's bad attorneys, there's attorneys that are, they're going to be, you know uh, you know standing by at the police station when the accident reports come in and they're the ones that are going to reach out and immediately tell you that they're the only competent attorneys that can handle a truck accident please people do your homework talk to talk to the bar association talk to friends of yours that have hired attorneys find some way to shop around and get yourself uh, a counsel it, don't be pressured into signing anything immediately following an accident, whether it's the insurance company, whether it's a, a, a law firm, uh, whether it's a hospital. Don't sign any of your rights away. Don't retain anybody immediately until and unless you've done your due diligence to make sure that you're getting a quality law firm that really gives a damn.
0: Yeah, I can't stress that enough, especially on these injury cases, because there's so many. Look, everybody's got an interest. The hospital is going to come to you with these documents that say, "Here, sign this." And what they're really doing is they're taking your settlement money and applying it to their bill. And anybody who knows anything about, and I didn't, so I'm not saying this like it like you should. I didn't understand this. Hospitals have a different billing rate for your insurance company than they do you individually, or if you've got something called um, med pay out of your insurance, where you've got like five grand or ten grand. Uh, that'll pay your medical expenses. The hospital wants that because they're going to bill against that at their full rate. That, so what would cost uh, ten or fifty cents on a dollar if your insurance company is billing it, it'll cost a hundred or hundred percent if uh, on your med pay. So you're just going to lose that money. It's just going to them. It's going to the line their pockets. And a lot of times, what lawyers do on these injury cases is they balance the flow of money uh, from the various buckets and make sure you end up with the most. And almost always, it pays for itself to have a lawyer. You would say, well, they're taking a third, but that third is almost always less than how much you would have not gotten, is that the right word, or not received, uh, if you tried to do it your own because these people are gonna be in your pockets taking the money and using it for them. It, it, there's a, Look at it this way, there's a bucket of money and there's a lot of people that want it and you wanna keep as much as you can in that bucket after you pay everybody else. Lawyers are the ones that help you do that on your behalf. So you're paying a VIG for that, the lawyers are taking their fee for that, but they're insuring in exchange for that in an arm's length transaction, that you are going to get the most you could possibly get. And, that, you know, I, I, you could say, well, look, you're a lawyer, you're interested. Yeah, but I, I, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> that's, that's the best thing I could
2: tell you. Well, yeah, and, and we went through a personal injury uh, situation with my daughter years ago. And I'd have to agree, and we, I, I didn't use you, Steve, but, yeah, I, I agree. The attorneys at least become the mouthpiece, the filter, and slow things down. And, really, they explain what the hell's going on. Because insurance companies are the same way. They want you to settle fast so it doesn't keep prolonging on. And thank God we got an attorney, a, a personal injury attorney, because it, it, it did help us get through this. It didn't necessarily get us more money, but it it, um, it helped the process slow down. And we felt better that, you know, at the end, we got in front of the judge, it was awarded, and the judge even said, this is great, you did well, hopefully you're feel, feeling better, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. It's worth it. It just is, yeah. yeah. It it well,
0: well, situation. well worth it. Um, yeah. Anything else, Norm, before I go to my Christmas wrap-up?
1: No, I just uh, want to mention that for the uh, people on Columbus City Council, I want them to know that I brought into their jurisdiction some Ted Nugent ammo into the studio. Very legal. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, 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 you know, 100% legal. Uh, 50 caliber uh, Ted Nugent ammo. Uh, So uh, I didn't bring the firearm, just the ammo. And there's a beautiful picture here of Ted with a uh, mule deer uh, that uh, no doubt he took down on his farm in uh, either Texas or Michigan, uh, one of his two uh, ranches. And, um, you know, God bless the NRA. God bless the Buckeye Firearms Foundation. God bless the Ohio Gun Collectors Association. And God bless Ted Nugent.
0: All right. Well, with that, we're going to shift right over to my Christmas series. I don't have twelve shows before Christmas, but we have a few more, and I'm going to continue last week's theme, guys. You know, we were talking about that forlorn feeling. That would you? What, what term did you use, Norm? Wistful, maybe? Wistful. Yes. Wistful. Wistful. And it's oh. you know, it's such a it's such a great way to say it. But yet, it's such a happy time, and at the same time, it, you feel happy, feeling a little bit sad. And you know, that's right. it's got an interesting um, irony to it, I suppose. And and I was thinking about. Songs on the way in, and, and, and specials, and series, and movies, and whatever media is out there. And this one came to mind because it, it is so um, sad, I guess. And, it, you know, musically, we can talk about why, but. Old Vincent Garaldi. Now, I'm sure the powers that be might try to censor me here, but. So I won't play much of it. But. You know the peanuts. That chord progression is just such a somber one, you know, and you know they're very complicated chords. It's jazz chords. Vincent oh, yeah. Garaldi uh, was was hired to, to write these the score for this, and uh, did a phenomenal job. And I think he captures the moment of that or that that sadness feeling, but at the same time, it gives you sort of chills to, to because it maybe because of that. It reminds me of my childhood to, to yeah. hear it.
1: And um, we're complex creatures, aren't we, Steve? I mean, Christmas is both a time of joy, but it's also a time a little bit of sadness. It is, you know.
0: It is, and and I think it, it, going with the theme here. Now, but now, by the way, one of the animators for the Peanuts movie, um, was an Ohio State grad. Wow! Not the Christmas one, but something later. So I had to look for some way to tie this to Ohio. Beautiful. So that's my only way. Um, but you know, I, I went further with this and I think this is an important part of it too.
2: I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about?
0: This was on networks, Here's folks. Charlie
2: Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about.
0: Walking to the stage, mm-hmm. taking center stage.
2: Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace good goodwill toward men.
0: So how about that? On network television, right? Yeah, incredible. And right out of the King James Version... Uh, the gospel of Luke uh, chapter two verses eight through 14. And it, it really, it it really punctuates the irony doesn't because the music that went with that was so sad, but then he's like, all those terms are like glory, joy, sure. Look what's happened, but it still makes you feel sad when you hear it. Like something about that gives you that sort of, uh, well,
1: and as Christians, we know what the end of the Christmas story is going to bring. And it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, Michelangelo's, uh, a statue of uh, pieta where mary is holding the adult jesus who has just been taken down off the cross and so we know the christmas story the joyful christmas story of jesus's birth we also know what is it 30 years 33 years later how it's going to end and it's yeah. going to end in it the story was foretold that he was he was given to us by god in order to sacrifice himself to redeem our sins. And so, yes, it's a time of joy, but it's also a time, it foreshadows some very tragic, you know, very sad things. And I say to the mothers out there, and this is this is a great thing to think about, because Steve was talking about how the world, how how existence and being, the very fact that we're being, how it is hazardous to your health, how dangerous the world is and just in terms of germs just in terms of you know uh, people hurting you warfare fire all kinds of things that will eventually kill all of us we're all going to die and so yeah he
2: had he had an attempt on his life through the three wise men i mean not that the three wise men were going to attack him but they were sent there to find him exactly and they didn't they didn't go back the same way the kid wasn't even a year old yeah (laughs) and he had an attempt on his life Right. Amazing. Amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, you say to the mothers like Mary, okay, who is bearing, who who's bearing child, you know, what a brave thing it is for a mother who knows that her baby when it's born is immediately like the rest of us going to start in the process of being exposed to danger and will eventually die. It's an act of courage for every woman that gives birth knowing that the child that they love and that they have is eventually going to die and Mary knew that and you know Jesus was sent here on a mission and uh, you know so there is some sadness attendant to to everything like this in life uh, and and it makes the season very poignant for that for that reason, at least to me.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. Jordan Peterson talks about, this notion of Mary and the pieta the, that statute sort of the sacrifice of your son to the world um and and how he draws a parallel to like the the greatest uh act of motherhood is like this self-sacrifice that i'm not going to protect my son i'm going to let my son be exposed to these dangers of the world because that's how he can become a man and you know if if you are sheltered from the world and maybe this is this is telling i guess for our society today and i think jordan this is his ideals not mine i mean but i i It sort of struck a very uh, strong stereo chord with me when I heard it. And it's like we are protecting our kids from things like uh, the bully at school or, uh, you know, maybe uh, not exposing them to some sort of sadness or tragedy or or hardship. And what we're doing is we are not doing anything to help our kids. That is to help us. The, be, the best sacrifice that we can make is to sacrifice our own feeling that, of protection and expose our kids incrementally to the dangers of the world, so they learn how to deal with the dangers of the world when we're not around, or when the dangers of the world incrementally get so great that if we haven't helped them, now you got kids in college who uh, try to commit suicide because they got a D on a test and uh, their parents have fixed their grades for them or helped them get their homework done all the way through. You know, and yeah. you know we're all guilty of this as parents, and and there's that.
1: There's there is there. there is no safe space. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that, that. I mean that is a construction in in some liberal mind that there is a safe. There are, there are no safe spaces.
0: Right, and All right. You know right. T- this notion. It's back to where we started a little bit. That the that the government is going to provide that for us is is utter insanity because the world wants to kill us and the government's not. Uh-huh. I tell. You, I can tell you, Dewine is not in my condo when I go home tonight. No, he's not there. Um, he's not in my office when I go back. Remember up to Remember what my the work.
1: Roman government did right it when they heard that there there was this baby that was born we all know the story of the passover mm-hmm. it was kind of nasty wasn't it they they went out and killed the firstborn of every family yeah and, I mean, and you they, know that was government action right and, there
0: and, and you know there's the same parallel with moses right if you go back to egypt and what the egypt like they they wanted the first they wanted all the men yeah, killed right because they're the dangerous ones exactly you right, know and there's another know. jordan peterson series i've been paying attention to on yeah. exodus and Really fascinating parallels to what's going on right now. So, yes, sir. Anyway, great, uh, great
1: stuff. Thanks for bringing that in, Steve.
0: Yeah, that that sort of blew yeah. me away as I as I reviewed it to prepare for this. So, none of it is my obviously original ideals.
1: Oh, uh, I thought that was you on piano. Yeah,
0: that was not I. Oh, so, okay. anyway, <laughs> anyway, Brett, I've got uh, a podcast referral that we're going to send your way, and over at Circle Two Seventy Media, and they they want to start a podcast right down here at Channel Five One One, and uh, you know everybody else can too. How do they get a hold of you to do that?
2: I uh, go to mypodcastguy.com get it going
0: yep and you can stand it. you can you can share Norm's mic and if you know if you think Norm just hates everybody and he's lying about loving everybody you can use Brett's mic or my mic but the point is you can use sure. this the very studio where we're recording this audio video uh inter- live interaction whatever you want to do we can do it right here at channel 511 and uh, Brett's a guy to help you out getting it done if you like our show trust me and you, you probably should go to uh, uh com. Um, check us out at channel511.com. And by the way, I still got LawyerTalkPodcast.com. Uh, uh, you, can, you can send me questions there. I've got some I'm going to fire up, and there's some surprises coming here, probably to launch the new year. So uh, that's still viable, ready to rock and roll.
1: Just want to say, just want to say, right, since you brought it up, I said some very strong things in this podcast. I love everybody on city council. I love Mayor Ginther. I love Joe Biden. I love all those people. I vehemently, strongly And vociferously disagree with them.
0: Yeah. I hate their policies. Love the person. I do love them. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, that's, and look,
1: and it, I'm being very sincere. That's any, not a flip remark. I know remark. you are, I,
0: I, and I make some, I make light of it at times. But I know you are, and if anybody doesn't understand that, there's that. There's read a, my blog, read his blog, or you can even go back further. You know, maybe a few thousand years further, and, <laughs> and read the New Testament. <laughs>
1: read <laughs> because, my blog from a few thousand years ago. <laughs> right,
0: right. So anyway, this is uh, Common Sense Ohio making common sense of it all here in December 7th, honoring uh, Pearl Harbor Day and all else. Uh, things at Christmas, at least until now.